everything that you do. And all the stuff we don't even realize that you're doing. The stuff that we forget about, the stuff that we, we don't make much of, but yet is monumental because you're doing it. God, help us remember and just to take joy in it. God, we also pray for all our brothers and sisters around the world uh, that are currently sleeping right now. We pray that they have a restful sleep, that they're ready to face the next day to proclaim your name and to do the work that you have called them to do. Lord, we pray for, for ourselves that we are able to restfully and uh, just be in you so we can live out the call that you have upon our life. And God, I, I want to pray right now for all of us that you convict us of the sin that's in our life. Because, Lord, we, we, we are good at justifying it. We are good at arguing, saying why it's normal, it's common, that this is just who I am. God, remind us, no, no, we are who you have made us to be, and we are being conformed to the image of your Son. Help us, Lord, to, to flee to that and to cling to the cross, to know that you are changing our hearts by us focusing on you. Be with us now, Lord, and bless our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we are finally coming to the close of the book of Ephesians. And we're, so we're going to get to see some final thoughts of Paul here in our text of chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So we're going to dive in and see what wonderful truths there are that we can be encouraged in. And so our today is really with this unique title called thoughts to, Final Thoughts to the Ephesians. It's real original stuff. So now... Paul has just finished speaking on the importance of prayer in the Christian life, how not only do we need to be constantly covering ourselves in prayer in all things, how, but also how we're supposed to be covering others and praying, praying for others, uh, to cover them with prayer over everything, and even with, to pray for Christians that we don't even know, but to pray for them. And the great encouragement that Paul was getting at was that no matter who we are or what we have done, no matter what stage of life you're in or maturity of the faith that you are, we can be confident that God's going to hear our prayers and that somehow he's going to use them to bless us and other people. And the reason is not because of anything that we have done or are doing or will do, but solely because of what Christ has accomplished for us by faith in him alone. He has fulfilled all that the law uh, has required of us to, to be in right relationship with God to be children of God whom he hears and blesses and loves dearly. That even though we have sin in our life, and I, I have a lot, even though we struggle with things like lust, pride, doubt, hate, self-righteousness, worry, fear, anxiety, uh, addictions, discouragement, double talk, jealousy, frustration, greed. Have I named anyone off yet here? Whatever makes you not perfect. Paul has stated that God hears us and will bless us, bless us anyway because of what Jesus has done for us by faith alone in him. God loves us even though we still sin against him. The gospel is the good news for us sinners. And we should be, we should be encouraged all the more then to run to God in prayer. For we have an internal, all-powerful Father who is now for us. Even if everyone else is not in our life because we're the bad guy currently. God is for us as his children or as his child, all out of his unconditional love, and he will bless us. He can change us. God loves sinners. That's you and me. He loves sinners through faith in Jesus. And through faith in Jesus, we get to experience that love, experience his blessings that he just gracefully gives to us unconditionally. 
And the wonder of it all is that as we go to Him then by faith in Christ, our prayers, in our prayers, we begin to see those blessings in our life and we begin to see the transformation that's happening within us as a consequence of praying to Him. It just happens. For as we go to Him in prayer, His glory naturally reveals our sins and pushes them out and empowers us to overcome them. See, prayer is a wonderful tool in our spiritual growth as Christians in this spiritual battle that we have to face in this world and face with our sins. Prayer is one of the primary ways in which God uses, uh, God, that, that God uses to remind and reveal to us just truly how helpless and powerless and hopeless we are in ourselves and how we are fully dependent upon Christ by faith alone for anything and everything in our life. For, for that is what we have been freed by with this gospel. The gospel to help us to see and understand that we are free from this slavery and bondage of this exhausting and frustrating lie of relying on self for anything and freed to the freedom of relying and resting in Jesus for everything. And prayer help, helps us see and live in that freedom. And in here in verse 19, then, Paul uses himself as the example to drive that concept in that we all seemingly think we get, but we don't. And this brings us to our first point. Prayer is vital to the Christian life. He says, as you are praying for each other and others, he states in verse 19, and also for me. Now, that sounds simple in English, but those words, and also for me, in the Greek, the way it's written there, has a, shows, is revealing, Paul is revealing to us how impactful, how important, and how vital he understands prayer to be. He is saying, you need to especially pray for me. There is an urgency, if you will, in his words here. This is him not being nice or seemingly like he's going along with the flow, speaking about prayer. He's like, yeah, pray for everyone and pray for me. Hurrah, hooray. He's, no, Paul is coming here with, with, a, with full force saying, your prayers matter. And it makes a difference so much that I need them in my life. I need you, Ephesians, who are having all these struggles with sin amongst yourselves, hence why he wrote the book, to be praying for me, you non-perfect people. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, I need your prayers. And what Paul reveals for them to pray for is shocking and not what I would expect of an apostle, or to put it more directly, what I would not expect for someone who we would say is so mature in the Christian faith and is such a high calling of the Christian faith. It's not what I would expect from someone who's, who, who, who is like Paul. He says in Ephesians 19 through 20, this is what he says. This is their shocking request. That words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let's just stop there for just, just a moment, right? Before we get deeper into this. So to help us just kind of see how vital prayer is to our life 
and how prayer should be the first response to everything and constant response to everything rather than our last resort. How prayer should not be seen as something kind of useful, seen as something as just maybe to close the conversation with someone so you can get on with your business because it's kind of annoying and you, you don't, you're growing impatient. Or seen as just some tradi- or prayer seen as some just traditional or religious thing to make you look holy before others. Or prayer as seen as something to make you feel holy so you can feel good about yourself. But rather to see prayer as something really making a difference in your life and in my life and in other lives. Because we are speaking to the Almighty God who is over everything, who is upholding everything by His power, and who truly cares about you and what you say to Him. Let us realize and remember that as we look at the text, who is asking for the prayer from these Ephesians Let us realize and see how truly vital prayer then is to our life and to the lives of others. Let us understand, it is the Apostle Paul, and I don't say that lightly, it is the Apostle Paul who is urgently asking for prayer. And he is someone who has visually, think of this, unlike us, he is someone who has visually seen the risen Christ face to face, blinded the dude who has verbally heard communication and has had verbal communication with Jesus Christ, audible, not just within his heart, but full-on conversations. Paul, who has been directly commissioned by Jesus, given the specific task, like he knows the will for, for his life by God, like he knows what God wants for him, in bringing the good news, there's no question, bringing the good news to the Gentiles around the world and laying down the foundation of the faith, with the other apostles. This great spiritual leader who has in an earlier book, because Ephesians was written later, in an earlier book, 2 Corinthians Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 27, who has stated what he has faced already as a believer, that he has faced imprisonments with countless beatings, often near death, Five times, he says, I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And night and day I was left adrift at sea on frequent journeys in dangers of rivers. Dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Paul, who has been through the ringer, he has been in far more greater trials and hardships than you and I will ever be in. And on top of all that, he has been given great visions and insights to amazing doctrines of the Lord. Like, again, in an earlier book, because again, Ephesians was written later. He wrote about in Romans 8.28, he says, and we know, really, this is him writing this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Or in Romans 8.38, Through 39, he says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, 
Paul taught and wrote such things down in Scripture. He, has, he, he was blessed with amazing insights that we're trying to pick up on. He went all over preaching and teaching and planning church after church. And yet, even he, a chosen apostle of the faith, who has experienced God's protection and love over and over and over and over, even he was asking for prayer. Why would that matter? I ask rhetorically. Well, think of it this way. For he knew, he knew, he was nothing without Christ. And that he within himself had nothing to give and could do nothing without resting in the finished works of Jesus by relying upon Christ's power alone and relying upon His strength rather than His own. He understood He was useless without Jesus, no matter His title. So then, if the apostle is pleading for prayer over himself, how much more should we be asking for prayer for ourselves and praying for each other as we face each day? We who do not even come close to measuring up to the status or position in the faith that Paul had. I mean, Paul here, I mean, this is Paul. He is humbly and vulnerably and freely admitting his faults and weaknesses to these Ephesians and what they need to pray for. And it's so crazy to me. It's crazy to me to think this. And I, I don't say it again lightly, and I'm not trying to be poetic. It just blows my mind to think that this Christian leader of the faith who knew the gospel so well. I mean, that's what he's commissioned to do. That's what he does. What are you doing today? I'm going to go plan another church. Is asking. The, he's asking for this. He says that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Something that we would think is so common and easy to him. It just, it just comes, right? He is saying, I need you to pray to God that he will give me the words to say. Paul is saying, I have no confidence in myself that I can do such, thing, such a thing rightly. But I pray that I can have confidence in Christ. Pray that I have confidence in Christ that he will give me and grant me such words. What does that say about you and me? And this brings us to our second point. Remember, you're power, powerless without Christ. Oh, that's hard to admit. We can say it, but the way we live it is hard to... We don't live admitting it. We don't live that way before men. We'll say it, though. Now, remembering you're powerless without Christ, that's not what you hear from the world. Because the world says, as a leader, right, you're all leaders in some area of your life, you got to be confident in yourself to be powerful. 
to be a leader and to make a powerful difference in others' lives, you got to have confidence in yourself. you got to find the power within and steamroll through. Got to find the power within you. But that's not the gospel. For the good news is that we are free from being in bondage of vainly building up our self-confidence and self-power, but are now free to find all of our confidence and power in Christ for all things by resting in Him by faith alone. And Paul here is demonstrating that for us by asking them to pray for his very words so that he would not fall into the temptation of being confident or powerful in and of himself, but only Christ. And by saying in verse 19, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, Paul is revealing to us that he doesn't even trust his own self-will or his own personal drive to empower the very mission that he's been called to. He doesn't trust himself, this will of his, to be a powerful source in opening his very mouth to speak because he knows how useless he is without Jesus. Rather, he is eagerly asking them to pray that he would not fall into the temptation of fear, the fear of men, and cling to the idol of self-comfort above the truth of the gospel. And he is asking them to pray that he can continue to find his ultimate sustaining comfort in Christ alone and not find it in his self-preservation so he can speak boldly the gospel. So he is asking them not to pray not only that God puts the words in his heart, but also he is asking them to pray that God will be his strength alone to open his mouth. Just like when God closed the door of the ark, he's asking for that power to open his mouth. When God parted the Red Seas, he's asking that power to open his mouth so he can be bold in the proclamation of the gospel. See, again here, Paul is revealing something that's very opposite from the world. The world says you, we were taught this by the world, the moment that you come out of the womb, you better breathe or die. It's up to you, little one. We'll see if they make it. And that's how it's been for all of our life. It says you got to muster up and find the boldness within you to be the leader. Boldness from within you to have the influence, to make the impact, to change the world, and to change the people around you. It's all on you. But the gospel has freed you from that. We have been freed to be bold in relying on Jesus to empower us to live and to speak in this world. For we are free to admit now that we do not have it within ourselves to make a true difference in this world. That we do not have it within ourselves to make a true difference in someone's life. But Christ alone does, and he can use us if he so chooses. And prayer helps us remember that as we pray for each, other's, pray for each other and ourselves. So Paul here is saying, please pray for me so I can be bold. For I am not bold in and of myself without Jesus. 
even though he personally has sent me on this very direct and special mission in preaching the word, the gospel, I'm asking you to pray for me. And I, and I know your prayers will make a difference in my life by the power of Christ. I sure hope you're praying for me as your pastor. I pray for you guys. For Paul has stated earlier, again, in Romans 7.18, he says, For I know nothing good dwells in me. That means you too. And Paul here is revealing that to all of us, that even though he is an apostle of Jesus Christ, he's still a sinner and struggles with sin. And without Christ, he is nothing. So he is asking them to continually pray for him so he can, so he can as he says at the end of verse 19, to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now, why on earth would Paul need to be bold in that, in proclaiming the gospel? Again, that's a sarcastic question again. Because hopefully we know and we may have experienced that the gospel is foolishness to the Gentiles. It is a stupid, weak message to them, to non-believers. And it's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's a disgusting offense to the Jews. It's worthless in the world's eyes. This petty message of Christ. Because this mystery which is so weak in the world's eyes. The, this mystery of the gospel says that God loves sinners. Repeat offenders of his law. God loves them. People who have turned their back on him. Yet God loves us sinners so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life we could not live, a perfect sinless life, following and fulfilling all the laws of God for us. He then died the death we deserved. The eternal wrath that was upon our heads because of our own sin was placed upon Jesus who had no sin at all. And then he came back to life to give what we could not earn, forgiveness, restoration, adoption, peace with God, salvation, all through faith in him alone. And that message is for both Jews and Gentiles so they can become the one people of God by faith alone in Christ. Not by what they do for Christ, not by what they will ever be able to do, but by simply believing what has been done in Christ for them, for us, by faith alone. Paul says that is the mystery which is now revealed in the gospel, that God is now saving people from all walks of life, from all nations, that God has now provided a way for all people to come freely to Him through the giving up of His Son so they can be His by faith alone in Christ. Paul says, that is why in verse 20, I am an ambassador in chains. Or put differently, because I have been commissioned to declare the freeing message for all people, that is why people have imprisoned me. Because of their rejection of the freedom I declare from the Most High. That we can be the one people of God by faith alone in Jesus. I'm here in jail as a representative of Christ's freeing message for our, all people. And to take things a bit deeper then, look at it this way. Paul has an amazing high calling of Christ to be his apostle, which is awesome, and it's a unique privilege. It's a unique calling of God because he was part of the laying down of the foundation of the faith, which we now have, which he stated in this book already in Ephesians 2020, or 2.20 built on the foundation of the apostles, which is him and the prophets who were around at that time. Christ himself being the cornerstone, 
And yet, and yet, I mean, that's amazing. And yet the world belittled him for it and threw him into prison because of it. This world was not a kind place to Paul. It did not have his best interests at heart, but rather it tried to break his heart and to give him to give up on following after Christ, after Christ's call. It says, give up. Which is why Paul then is asking for prayer from the Ephesians for him to be empowered by the Lord to keep going, to keep preaching, to live out the call wherever he's at. And currently he's in prison when he wrote this. For again, he knows he cannot keep going on or do it all on his own. Which is why he brings up again a very similar request that he already made. He says at the end of verse 20, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And this brings us to our last point. Remember the gospel of the grace of God is sufficient. See, Paul is really showing us all what spiritual growth is. What maturity in the faith is. Through his prayer request, he is showing us, showing us, showing us all that the way we live and mature and grow in and by God's grace through faith here, the maturity is that we realize more and more how sufficient God's grace is for us and how completely insufficient we are without it. That's maturing. So again, he prays to be bold in proclaiming the gospel, to be open without restraint or worry of what people will think or say of him to not worry about their accusations or arguments or mockery against him and the gospel. For when he says, as I ought to speak, Paul here is praying that God will grant him the wisdom for him to see and know his audience in his presentation of the gospel. To see that they, he's asking for God to open his eyes, for them to pray to open his eyes, that he sees that those in front of him are sinners in need of a Savior, so he can speak with a clear conscience and a clear attitude to win hearts and not to make it a personal match to win an argument or defend his reputation or get all upset about his unjust imprisonment. To not make it a match of wits or philosophical ways of life, but rather to have them speak as he ought to speak in the pure presentation of the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. He asks them to pray that being in chains and in prison and treated unfairly does not hinder his mind or his heart to have an awful attitude towards those in front of him. People who are messy and mean and rude and disgusting and make life all about themselves. By the way, Christians can do that too. To you, he's saying, pray for me that my heart is not changed. Pray for me that I can remember to put the full armor of God and to remember the great defender of Christ is fighting for me. That I can rest in him alone in such a wearing and trying time. For Christ has already won for me. And Christ is the answer for these people. That should be our prayer. Especially when we're facing people that do not like us or don't like us in the moment. That you have to face each week. 
For Paul says, as all of us, as we face our problems each day, we need to be reminded that we are facing, I'm going to say, okay, follow me, <laughs> that, that every day we need to be reminded that we are facing heart issues of people. Hearts that need to put their trust in a Savior for salvation, Christian or non-Christian. So then we, like Paul, are, asked, are to ask for prayer and pray that we trust in God's grace over us and trust in His grace to melt the hearts of the people around us through, through the giving of the gospel and not to trust in our arguments or to trust in our sarcastic comebacks or to trust in our personal vengeance or to trust in our passive anger. We all, just like Paul, need our hearts to be guided and empowered by the Lord's grace as Christians so we can live and speak according to His call over us and, and trust in God's grace and reveal His grace through the gospel, so non-believers can receive his calling to follow after him and not us, and that believers can be reminded of his calling to him and not us. That is what Paul is asking for prayer for here as we, should live, as we live our lives. We should constantly be praying for each other that no matter what we're going through, no matter what is happening in this world, no matter what's happening in your personal world. We are to pray for each other and ourselves that Jesus and His gospel of grace will be made much in our lives and in the lives of others. And you know when grace shines greatest and when, when things are toughest, when things are darkest, when things are going wrong, when things aren't making sense, when nothing is right, when everything is just blowing up in front of your face and you want to do something about it, what shines great is His grace. See, we're not in prison like Paul. At least, I, at least if you're out here, maybe you need to go back. I don't know. <laughs> but you're not. Nor are we facing issues like Paul had faced. Nor are we called like Paul was. We're not apostles like Paul. Okay, we're not. But our ultimate mission is like his, to glorify God and enjoy him forever by living in and under and from this gospel of God's grace. And the world will do whatever it can to remove you from doing that in your life and it will do whatever it can to stop you from sharing and proclaiming the gospel of God's grace with others. Believer or not believer. Just like it was trying to do with Paul by putting him in prison. Now, for us, it may not be prison, but it will be something else. Something else to get you distracted with or all entangled in so you do not live in or promote the gospel of God's grace in your life. There's something going on in all of our lives that Satan is looking for and the world is looking for, whether that be a relationship, whether that be a position at a job, whether that be your next door neighbor or someone who lives in your own household. There, Satan is always looking for something to get you entangled in so that you will forget about the grace of God and say, it's on you. You got you to stand up for yourself. No, stand up for Christ. And his truth and grace will shine forth. 
See, this world, as, as Paul has already stated, is always scheming to keep you away from going to Christ for everything through prayer. To have your faith be all in Him. Having, and, and especially keeping you away from encouraging others to do the same. Get caught up in that gossip and then you're like, yeah, yeah, do this, do that. Instead of Christ. Instead of saying, no, go to Christ. Let's see what the Bible has to say. No, no, we say, well, what is Google? What is my friends? What is, no, go to the Word. It's also bent from keeping away from asking others for prayer. It doesn't want you asking others for prayer because it wants you to believe the lie that you ought to be stronger by now. You're a Christian. You ought to be better. You ought to be smarter. You ought to be, you ought to, you already, have, you already should have a handle on this thing now like worry, lust, anxiety, fear, anger, unforgiveness, hate, whatever. Shouldn't you have a handle on that by now? What's wrong with you? Don't be asking for prayer about that. That's, that's, what the, that's a lie, church. What we see here from Paul, from Paul himself, is that spiritual maturity is admitting how weak you are without Christ in your life. Saying, I can't do this. And asking others for prayer. Because you know you can't change yourself. And you can't change anyone else on your own. And you can't deal with the day on your own. But oh, do we think we can. And then it just builds and builds. And then finally, pop! We, you scream. You get angry. You, be, you become thrown down. You give up. You run away. All because you didn't want to ask for prayer. We're all prideful. It gets to you. Pride becomes before what? The fall. The fall. Hmm. See, the gospel has freed you from such things in the Lord. You don't have to worry what other people are going to think about you. For we ultimately only need to worry about one. And his, and his name is Jesus what he thinks. And, but because of his grace, which we see and know from the gospel, we know he already knows everything about us. All the sins, all the hidden sins that you have, and he loves you anyways and blesses you all through faith in him. And the cross is the proof. So let us always ask for prayer and be willing to pray with any request and not be shocked. Like, oh, what? Like a self-righteous, like, come on, you're a sinner too. Without Jesus, you're going to hell. We're all going to hell. So what's your business? Who are you? You're a nobody. We all need Christ. He makes us somebody. Children of God. And even pray for the requests that are unknown to us by our Christian brothers and sisters from around the world. So Paul then, verse 21, and we're coming to a close. He says, so that you may know how I'm doing and what I'm doing, Titus, the beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him for you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we may encourage your hearts. And what you have here is Paul summarizing that because he believes in the power of prayer, he will give them even more things to pray about, things to be and things to be encouraged in, so they can see how their prayers are being answered and how they can pray for more things to be done in the name of Jesus. 
Then lastly, in verse 23 through 24, he says, Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. And this is Paul's way of reminding us all once again that it's finished in Christ over us by faith in him. For we have been saved by grace through faith in Christ and we are now united as the one people of God. And Christ is working in our hearts to produce a love for each other that comes from loving him directly. This way to outweigh. And this love that Christ is working in us through his spirit, through his gospel, by our faith in him, is a love that will always be within us for him. And we can be assured then that this love for Christ is a love, this love that we have will never go away for we have been sealed by the Spirit. It will always be there even if it's small, weak, inconsistent, barely seen. It will never go out completely. It's incorruptible. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, but it will always be there. Why? Because Romans 5, 5. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. See, what has been done in our hearts cannot be undone by our sin or our mistakes or our failures. His grace is bigger and greater than our sin. For we are no longer condemned but free. That will never change. Free to rest in Jesus by faith alone. This gospel of the grace of God in which we believe says all the doing that was required for, of us has been done in Jesus. So by faith in Christ, so by faith in Christ, our love of him will never fade. He will never let us go. Even at times we fail him, he never lets us go. For we are saved by grace Alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, leaving everything else alone. And I leave you with this, Psalm 37, 23 through 24. Psalm 37 is my favorite psalm, so I recommend reading it. It says this, I love it. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Great. What about when I don't? Though he fall, sins. He shall not be cast headlong, forsaken, for the Lord upholds his hand. When you let go, God's still holding. So I encourage you, church, to pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'll ask the deacons to come forward. You can pray with them if you'd like. You can pray where you're at. Let's, let's just ask now. Lord Jesus, God, you are so good. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for allowing us to understand that we have assurance not in ourselves but in you, what has been done. And that we are free to speak to you and free to speak for, in regards to others. Thank you that you listen to our prayers. Lord, thank you for granting us the wisdom and the insight that though that you may not answer the prayer the way we want, you are answering the prayer. And God, help us remember that. To know that from time and time again, looking over scriptures, reading through your word, how you have always come through, even if we don't see it, and, but we can know it. Because in the end, it's all going to be okay because our end is with you all through faith in Christ. And if someone doesn't know you here today, Lord, I pray today they reach out and say, Lord, I need you. I'm a sinner in need of your grace.
And God, I pray for our loved ones whom are upon our hearts that they too will come to know Christ even if they're not here. But Lord, we pray that they come to know Jesus. And God, I pray that all of us can be used as, a, as your great broken tools to plant your amazing kingdom in this city of Walnut, in the places we go and around the world, through any missions that we get involved with, Lord, that your name will be magnified and glorified. For you are good. We are not, but you are, and your goodness shines through even our badness by your grace. It's in our weakness that your power and grace shine forth. Oh, Lord, thank you for that wonderful mercy and, and promise of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.